Today's show is sponsored by Texture. Get access to all of your favorite magazines anytime, anywhere. Get your free trial by visiting texture.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, one. Mm-hmm. 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 Toby's either doing the intro today through a dig- Australian didgeridoo tribute. I love which, didgeridoos. Well, then, then you're, you're in trouble either way because you're either making fun of the people with holes in their necks or you're culturally appropriating Australian culture. Either way, bad on you. I apologize. Bad on you, Toby. I apologize bad on to you. the people with holes in their necks and all players of didgeridoos. I apologize. <laughs> I want to go ahead bad and go on, on you. record you're I didn't realize what I was individual. doing. individual. It's good that you you're do that. You're a sick though. guy. Right, y'all right, make fun right. of people and y'all never apologize. Joey makes fun of everybody I'm, on the earth. I'm, that's hurts not my true. You hurt that's my feelings daily. I apologize that's for not. lots of things, but I don't make no public <laughs> apologies. I, I, that's, I'm going to stay on record with that one. I ain't making a public apology to any kind of mob, even if I mess up. But I'll apologize to individuals. <laughs> we did a baptism this Sunday, and uh, one of I would say one of the best of moments of Bad Christian Podcast was when Toby did a news story on a baptism that happened in a foreign country and one of the participants literally got washed out into sea and it just tickled me because it just seemed so horrible. I couldn't, I couldn't not laugh, but I kept putting the microphone away and y'all kept wanting me to laugh in the microphone. I finally did. But anyway, we had a very, very rough weather baptism on Sunday and, and I, (laughs) I was telling people, I was just like, somebody said something like, I hope we're all going to be safe. I said, you know, that has happened before, right? Like someone has been washed out to sea. And I kept it total serious thinking in my head, yeah, I died laughing the last time I talked about this, but here I am talking super serious to them. But um, did anybody die at your baptism? Uh, yeah. just I knew it. Oh. Yeah, we had seven baptisms and only one person died. So <laughs> one person, we're, we're okay. uh, only one. That's a that's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> it is funny. I mean, it is funny. The sea is a very dangerous. I mean, fire and ocean have. I mean, those are really dangerous elements to play in overall. Like you can't do a lot with fire and oceans and with big numbers and not have some bad outcomes. Just, Joey, <laughs> do you think of your job as dangerous? Like you're a pastor, like because <laughs> you you have to be there for dunking people underwater. You have to hear their sorrows. That the people come to you in their worst moments. Your job is dangerous, man. Water, fire, yeah. and malaria have to be some of the all time biggest killers. I would say, like you know, human history. <laughs> hey, soccer season started, and so. I'm going to bring to you guys soccer names anytime I hear one that I haven't said on here. So I'm actually going to keep a record of the names that I've given this soccer season and <laughs> I will not give any duplicates, but I'm going to I'm going to bring new ones every time. So it's What it's about just the so ones awesome that we've already covered? The funny names that we've already covered, which is you know, the ones I like to make most fun of or Braden, Jaden, and Caden. And then after that, we've had Declan before. What are the other ones we make fun of? Yeah, so I've got, I've, I mean, I've got Mason, Connor, Avery, Finley. And then this is a new one, and I don't know if it qualifies as a soccer name, but Luca. Luca, I don't know I, that one. I, I think it does. And, it qualifies. And my question to you guys is, is Waylon a soccer name? Mm, no. 
I don't think so. It's a little bit hip, though. I'll, I'll say that you naming your son Waylon is a little bit in the hip zone. It, it, it is hip, and you can't yeah. ever call him Wales. That would, that's it. If you call him Wales, <laughs> instead of what you got to add that line on there, you're in trouble. Yeah, Waylon's a little bit of a Wales. hip thing, I think. But that's okay. I mean, you could, and people can name whatever they want. That's fine. No big deal. I mean, there's some really, yeah, really yeah, stinkers and clunkers out there, but I don't know. I think it's not. It's it's not a really good system. I mean, you think of all. I always say this, but kids' right to consent is just unbelievable. The amount of things that, I mean, given the fact that parents aren't great on the whole, like if you take all the population of people that have kids, they're not great people. They don't make great decisions. And then when you bring a kid into the world, you're bringing in a creature that can't consent to like so many critical things for like years or decades before they can actually consent to things. <laughs> that have to be violated, and names is one of those. You you get named whatever your idiot parents want you to be, and you have to live that your whole life. That's how you start. You know, I, they, Matt, I remember totally fine, and I like it. <laughs> I think, damn a kid, they don't know anything. Do you know what a kid I, would name themselves? Well, they, they can't. That's what I'm saying. It's an impossible know, situation. Actually know, there's can't. no alternative. But they actually, yeah, they actually can't, so they do need a name. That, I think it's helpful to name it's, a kid. Now, the thing that does get me is, I promise you, y'all know me, I I always thought I had a Joey game face. I do not. I've realized it. And when I hear a person or a family uh, say their kid's name and I can't believe it, I have to walk away or look away. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I can't take it. There's certain people who have named kids something and and like you know or they, we go to school and I hear their kid's name for the first time. I'm like I don't know what to do. This is I just can't what's an example of that type of name. I don't want to say. I just <laughs> it's too close. Well, tell us how it it's made you. What was so obnoxious about it? How did it make you feel? It, without saying it's just name. too too trendy, and you're. I mean, it's just too much. Like I, I'm a big proponent. I, I don't care if you don't like my name either. Maybe the names of our kids you think are stupid, and that's okay. Like I like the idea that I did get to name them. Like Jess and I decided nobody else got to say. Like my dad, everybody tries to tell you what to name their kid or what they mm-hmm. like or whatever it might be. And I'm just like, God, you got to be kidding me. No way. And, and so I like the name. So if you love a name, that's fine. But when it feels like it's just a, a trendy name or it's just, it's kind of growing in popularity or something, it does. I can't quite go there because I'm just like, it, that, <laughs> then it's not anything that you care about. It's just, oh, that sounded cool. Ugh. So, you, you know what I mean? Such a bad idea. <laughs> Matt, you, Matt, you once told me that you, if you had a boy, all you need to do is pick a name that's not cool yet, but mm-hmm. is not being used. And the two examples you gave were Floyd and Lloyd. You said I love that you Floyd were gonna name I just love your son names. Floyd or Lloyd. Do you remember saying that? No, but it sounds like something I would say. And I love the name Lloyd because it starts with two L's. That is so funny. Lloyd. I love it. They made a joke about Alf back in the 80s about that. And then I've Legendary. always thought about it since. They called, in fact, they, uh, Willie called or alf called lynn's boyfriend who's named lloyd they call him la lloyd on alf yeah I remember they do that, that on ninjago the movie which is actually pretty good it's um, hilarious the, now, but, but hold on but i'll, I'll tell, tell you my funny story i was gonna stay story. on the name thing one more thing what'd you say yeah. sorry yeah no i was just gonna say what was funny is my dad told us he loved the name kelly nicole uh, or whatever but uh, we said no we're gonna name our first ruby and he goes toby don't you understand? Everybody's name ends in E. He said, Tommy, Toby, Gary, your brother, Ruby. I said, Dad, the name you're saying is Kelly. 
<laughs> and he, he just stared at me and he was like, it's still a good name. And I like, and then I was like, I mean, he had the middle name and everything. And I was just like, no, we're going to, yeah, we exactly. are going to name our daughter what we want to name her. And we like it. And I like old names anyway. I just always like an old strong name. And so that's, it, it's just good. I just like that. that but hey, once again, that's just my preference. I don't care what you can name your kid, whatever, but I don't think it's totally fair to think everybody should like it. No. I don't care if you like the name Ruby. I do. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? That's fine. Fair enough. Fair enough on that. Well, hey, well I get made fun of if my naming said, plan he... goes down according correctly. So I've got Georgia, who we call George, and we've got yeah. Geraldine, who we call Jerry. Jerry. Now, my family planning goes like this. I guess we're going to have some more kids. I guess we'll have another one, maybe. You and then to. we might have another one after that, but I, maybe we won't. But if we have another kid next, and that child is also a female, I'm going to name her Elaine. And then I'll have George, Jerry, and Elaine. And once that's locked in, <laughs> if that's awesome, if we have another kid and it happens to be a boy, there's no way out of him being Cosmo. No way out. <laughs> it's locked. So it all hinges on the the. It may not the, happen. It may not have four kids. But if the, if the, the birth the order kid? is if the next if we have another kid and it is a female, I'm going to push Elaine through no matter what. And if what I can get Kramer that far, I think it's undeniable that if we have a fourth kid and it happens to be a boy, so the chances are low. Yeah, on you, you want to go with the real name Cosmo? You don't want to go with Kramer? I think Cosmo is just funnier. Funnier. I think it's the right call. You could call him <laughs> Kramer for, as a first name, but I don't think that would be. A, I think Cosmo would be a much subtler, cooler choice there. Y'all listen to this. My granddad, he never, he 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 didn't live long enough to for any of my kids, but he told me before he died that if I had a son and named him after him. He would give me five thousand dollars. <laughs> now, That's hilarious. the catch is my grandpa's name is Halver Belvedere. <laughs> is what? Halver instead of Halver, you're supposed to pronounce it Halver in Norway, I guess. So Halver Belvedere Svensson. I was wow. like, Grandpa, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not naming my son after you. <laughs> That's a very interesting thing because five thousand dollars sounds huge there. But on the other hand, the fact that he would really care about that to offer money at all is so funny and cool because, I mean, he's thinking his legacy and forever. So if you were, if yeah. that mattered to you, like if I can pass this name on, I'll ring into eternity. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and argue that if that's your goal and you think that's important, you went way underpriced it at 5000 You should give, <laughs> if you believe that, you should get, you have all of my inheritance. You give him, should give you everything he ever had if he if he actually values it in that way. He went too yeah, my, cheap there. What would have been your price? My aunt was a scoundrel, man. She said you should just name him that, and then when your grandpa dies, just change the name. I'm like, you oh, are gosh. horrible, horrible. What would have been aunt? your real Holy price God. on that? I I, I don't want to name my son Halver Belvedere. I don't. A know million dollars a done, right? So what's what? your price? A million dollars need to done it. So back it down and get me the actual. Market value price. Okay, that you could have Priscilla would have gone along with. How much money? Can I name him Hal? H A L. Yeah, but not on his driver's that? license. Yeah, his official name has to be the full name, but you can call him whatever you want. You can call him Hal. Yeah, nickname. I would or say, I would say a hundred thousand. And when he's old enough to ask Dad, why the hell did you call me Halver Belvedere? I'm going to write him a check for fifty thousand and say, <laughs> "Here you go." Son. This is why. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> That's very oh, good, man. actually. Hey, I learned a big lesson. I I actually my uh, my stress level has been pretty significant 
And it's crazy because used, it used to be that depression caused my stress. Now it's just normal people, everyday sort of work situation. Like I'm, I'm a happy guy. I just have some stress and it's really making a lot of my muscles super tight. It causes headaches and all that stuff. So I just need, you know, I, Matt, I know how you feel about chiropractors, but going to a chiropractor just to kind of get loosened up a little bit and getting some massage therapy. And uh, I was super psyched because when I scheduled my massage, uh, it was a it was a dude, and that's always a blessing because no offense, usually they can just you know go in there a little. I, I guess that's really bad to say. It's I'm not bad to really say. Am, okay, cool. Well, anyway, you're there. just saying they're super, strong, super, like they're physically stronger, and you appreciate the massage more by a stronger person. If there was a woman that was way strong, yes. you'd take now, that I've too. Had, I've had some women that were just as strong as men, but as a rule of thumb, the mm -hmm. men are a little bit stronger when it comes to massaging. Fair enough. So anyway, I've had two sessions with them. The first session, and and I, here's here's what I would love. I would love a massage therapist to advertise, I will not talk to you. Please don't talk to me. This is how I want to do business. Isn't that oh the way gosh. it goes anyway, though? I mean, I've had massages. No, it's not. No, you don't talk it's, it's like... It's like being an Uber driver. You got to figure out, oh, does the customer want to talk? And if so, I can carry it on a little bit. But then if they're quiet, then like when I did Uber, that was that was my first goal. Figure out whether or not they want to talk. If they want to talk, I can carry on conversation. If they come in with their cell phone and they, you know, give some, you know, occasional polite statements like thank you and yeah, I'm from so-and-so, but they don't carry on the conversation, then I just keep my mouth shut. I get them to where they want. So I would love it if a massage therapist just said, yeah, I don't want to talk and please don't talk to me because I'm an introvert and I want to just go in there and get a massage. I don't want to carry on conversation. So anyway, this guy asks me what I do for a living. And, you know, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. And, you know, he, so he was just like, oh, that's cool. And, you know, made a few comments about how the world is just, you know, getting so far off track and, you know, People need to bring God back and stuff. But then he was pretty much quiet for the rest of the time. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Well, I come back a second time. This dude unleashes for 30 minutes about his life and <laughs> people that have died in his family and what this past week was like, what last six months was like, and just on and on and on and on. Here I am laying belly down, hearing this guy pour out his heart and I have to figure out some nice things to say and some encouraging Through the little stuff. donut so whole face massaging my, Yeah, he's massaging my back, and I'm like, yeah, man, that, that does sound hard, man. I'm really sorry you're going through that. And I'm like, I started thinking, that could have gone the exact opposite way, which I would have actually been happier. Like a lot of times when people ask, are you a pastor? Like on an airplane, you say yes. It's like, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy. Well, that backfired here in the South, I guess, where a lot of people are like, ooh, pastor, a free person to talk to and everything. But I wonder what would be a surefire way for the massage therapist to not talk to me? What job could I say that I, I am? I got a better idea. And then they're just going to be quiet. I got a better idea. I don't think that you should ever – I think the simplest solutions are just these matter-of-fact ones that are not uh, – you don't have to lie really or anything. But I tell you what, if you walked into that office and – you were worried that the guy was going to talk to you. The first thing that you should ask him is you'd look at him and say, is it okay if I fall asleep during this? <laughs> and he's, he'll idea. say yes. And then you never speak. 
you don't go to sleep, of course. You sit there and enjoy your massage, but That's don't a say a word. One. And it will never matter. Yeah. You'll the ex- he'll already be well, primed for you to not respond if you simply ask that question well, and then never do go to sleep. Yeah, I mean it's it's too late now unless I get a a, a different guy. I mean, I, I mean I guess after twice I could say, "Hey man, I'm probably going to just fall asleep." I actually when I first started getting some mas- massage therapy, this was like maybe 3 years ago and it was I met my deductible right away cuz it was the year when we were on BC tour in Atlanta and I had a kidney stone just racked up hospital bills and all that. So I was like, "Okay, I'm going to get everything taken care of. But the first woman that was uh, my regular go-to, it just so happened that the schedule always lined up for her to to do my uh, massage. She would talk so much and she would get so enthralled in what she was saying, she was barely touching my back. <laughs> and it got me so frustrated because I'm like, here I am laying here and she's getting paid, and I can't even feel what she's doing because she's talking so much. And so I literally went to the person in charge, and I said, hey, I'd rather you not tell her that I'm telling you this, but I do not want massage from her anymore. Please, if you could just always you know, put me with someone else. That is but yeah, so funny. That's, that's good advice. The you thing, know what? If you were a Catholic, you could. Uh, if you were a Catholic priest, you could just do get Take free massages yeah. for confessions, yeah. right? I mean, that, that probably would work. Oh, yeah. yeah. You just have to wake up at the end and say, uh, say a Hail Mary. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Adam, and I work over at Tooth and Nail. And one of my favorite things, seriously, in my life is just getting to ride around in cars with buddies and show each other new music, new songs, learn about new bands, and especially introduce people to new bands. And I kind of feel like that's, in a lot of ways, my job at Tooth & Nail, is getting to tell a lot of people about bands that I think are great. So we're going to put a big Spotify playlist up that I hope that you'll go check out. We have a bunch of new, fairly new bands on Tooth & Nail with a lot of different genres that I think you will love. And I'm just gonna give you a big list now, but go over and check them out. Off-Road Minivan. Loyals. Hearts Like Lions. Civilian. Tyson Motzenbacher. We are the city. Six new bands. Guarantee you haven't heard of all of them. Go check them out. Go to the label page and just listen through the playlist. You'll for sure find something you love. Tell me what, uh, you know, it, it's, this is going to come across like I'm a very perverted person, cool. but I do think we're really, it. really you weird are. stuff. And I take it after my dad. I mean, 
He's my dad literally I remember him that so bad. Perverted. Like you can't. Well, I, what I remember imagine. sitting at my brother's high school graduation, and these are the sort of random statements my dad says. He he says, "I wonder how many of these." Females out on the field right now have already lost their virginity. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell is the that? Hell? But he is being a hundred percent serious. That just hit his mind. He's like, I wonder how many of them out there have lost their virginity. <laughs> Y'all so, Spencers are insane. It is. It's say. insane. So here's here's the weird thought that I had. How often do you think it is that in a regular massage therapist environment, like at a chiropractor office, so super... Teenage Joey Spencer goes, Dad, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) But in a completely professional environment, how many times has a person risked, hey, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this before, but can you give me a... uh, a happy ending. I'll pay you like fifty bucks. Please don't be mad if, if you'd rather. Like, how many times has that happened? Do you think where someone's had the guts to offer fifty to a hundred dollars for a happy ending? Do you think that ever happens? Well, that was the the huge thing just a, a few months ago. With I think it's called Massage Envy Company, where they were lots of stuff was going down and not being reported, and and it was way more sexual than the company had let on and. There was a big. It could be more than the company knows too. You can have a company and then people doing stuff within the company that the company doesn't necessarily know about and endorse too. The the biggest problem with that is we don't know how to allow. We don't understand how to let people touch us. I don't. You know what I mean? Touch each other. Touch now is even considered mostly Mm -hmm. bad. I mean, you know what I mean? Like touching each other, even you know, roughhousing on the playground or Mm -hmm. kids or you're always taught. It could be bad. And so then when you let somebody touch you, you think, oh, well, this is a time where I'm being touched and it's accepted. Maybe this means sexual too. And it's it's wrong. It's not right. Like yeah. we don't like it's it's hard like it's like conceding those, the battle there. Like a human uh, touch is important. Like, you know, like you're gonna not let my kids rough house on the playground and take that away from me. What's next? You're gonna take away my happy endings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what, so what law is being broken outside of maybe IRS regulations with money handling? If, I mean, it's well, really sounds like prostitution. I mean, you go to a prostitute on the street, you say, I want a hand job, 50 bucks. Okay. That's prostitution. So I mean, it would be crazy, illegal but. to, so any, so any sexual contact? I mean, that's, that's paying rendered, for sex. Hand, you know? Okay. Know. So if you pay for any physical contact, then that's against the law. Not for any physical contact. Sex, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a definition. Sexual I mean, contact. If you pay for it, then it's against the law. If it's sexual. Right? Yeah. If it's a sex, if you pay for a sex act is, is basically yeah. what, how you'd have to pinpoint. I don't know the, what the law reads. What do like. y'all think about that? I mean, from a, from a strictly moral standpoint, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of people doing that because I don't think it's good for them, but... Why? Why does the government regulate but that? I, I don't think that they should. Well, they might should reg. No, they should regulate it. They shouldn't prohibit it. Is what I would say. They should allow it, and it should be um, not prohibit the prohibition. I don't like it. People should be able to decide what they want to do. And then if you did regulate it, I'm okay with that. I suppose it would probably improve many people's situation. It's no different than the prohibition of alcohol or drugs. They need to be 
legalized and done and done well and protects people and let people have their freedoms. And we do way too much morals for, for law. I mean, law is not the best way to handle morals. It's just almost yeah, it's always when you prohibit something, morals. when you prohibit something, it almost always leads to the bad seedy underbelly of stuff. That's why yeah. when you prohibit drugs, people get them steal and you have to go to a scary play. When I was a teenager, marijuana wasn't legal. And when I wanted to smoke marijuana, I went to some really shady, scary places that I should not have gone that I, I, I'm very surprised that nothing ever bad happened to me. I'm just, I mean, that, and that's just me. And so it, bad stuff does happen. So prostitutes, it is a dangerous gig. Now, if it, I'm not saying it's good. I don't think prostitution is healthy and selling sex for money is healthy necessarily. But what I am saying is when you uh, prohibit it, then it gets way more dangerous. And then there's pimps and there's all this stuff and drug use and money that's just, I mean, the government could step in there with making it legal and it would have to be run a lot better. There'd be rules and regulations and laws and taxes and all kinds of stuff that would at least be maybe more humane, I think. But Joey, did you get a happy ending? Is that what you're confessing? I do it every time with this place, man. They just they're they're down for five dollars, so I just feel like uh, I mean it's something. Buy one, get one free. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. Did your dad ask you? Did you get happy? (laughs) No, no. I I seriously, I just, I just, I I mean, have y'all ever? Someone told me, and I, it's been such a long time ago, I forgot what you have to search. But have y'all ever searched on Craigslist to see the certain the things that people offer? Like it is so specific. I saw where one person was offering uh, to anonymously come into your house with a glove, uh, give you a hand job, um, and and they would even be blindfolded so you wouldn't they wouldn't see who you were, and then walk right out the door. I mean, just super Wait, hold bizarre. On. Somebody, would, somebody offered walking into your house blindfolded with a glove on their hand. They would masturbate you. Give you a hand job and you'd give them money and they just leave and you don't they yes. don't even know. I saw that you, on Craigslist. There's a, like if you. How did you see that? <laughs> I, again, I, I just told you <laughs> I, I forgot what I searched for, but someone told me, dude, that somebody was just like, do you know the vile sexual things that are all over? No, tell Craigslist me more. As far as what people are <laughs> no, paying money check for, it out and for I was myself. like, no. And they said, well, you know, type in such and such. And so yeah, I scrolled. I mean, it was just crazy the things that people offer because I guess that person. Uh, no, that's right. What made that even more bizarre is it was totally free. So that person just wanted to <laughs> to get off on doing that. that How was, was their, it? That was Did their you enjoy it? Is, Did it? Was it as safe as you thought it would be? Well, that makes it legal if it's free, too. Ain't no prostitution. Yeah, yeah that's change true. Money. They changed all those rules, though, with Craigslist. They don't, I think they had to take all that way. Meet, they took the personals away. Or yeah. what, personals? Yeah, they took Whatever that, that, that was. Away. I just read an article about it. They had to change it because it was getting kind of scary. So. That and then Backpage.com, that's the Village Voices thing, has always been in a lot of controversy. I think they had to clean that up, too. But it's just like anything. Prohibition's not going to work. It's going to happen. And if the government's really smart, like we, they'll just get in on it and collect their damn money and be a part of it and make it a little safer for everybody. And that's the, the way we ought to do things, I think. Oh, yeah. And then everybody do your own thing on the morals. Feel free to have them. I'm not at nobody. That doesn't mean you're against them, that you don't need to legislate them. Um, but that's just me. Okay, Joey, uh, appreciate you getting up here. I know you're at a pastor's conference, so if you want to split, now's the time. I'm yeah, gonna well, I'm going to split Go mainly because of the sound quality. No um, problem. And so, his masseuse is hey, knocking on the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, he got a new appointment. Hey, here. Toby. Yes. I love you. Okay, buddy. Enjoy your massage, Matt. my friend. Matt. How many how many people's tithes went Matt. to that massage? 
<laughs> Matt. What's up? Uh, what's up there, Joey? Matt, I love you. I love Hang you too. Him. Have fun at the Pastors Conference. Okay. Uh, we've got our guest joining us, which will be with just a second. If you'll just hold there one more second, I do have to take a second, and I've got to tell everybody about something that I think is terrific, and that's texture. Now, if you are you paying attention, everybody? I not am. just not just to this podcast, but to everything. I, I mean it. You, your attention is everything these days, and it's demanded everywhere. And if you're like me, when you're not listening to a podcast, you're scanning the, your Twitter feed about the latest ideas. You're out there trying to find out information. And if you're really smart, you're looking at your favorite magazines where it's this really premium version of journalism that's tried and true and longer form and well done. And you can get all the magazines that matter with Texture. Texture is the app that offers over 200 top magazines all in one place. That's right, I said an app. So you don't have to actually dig through the big, clunky, you know, pages of your Cosmopolitan magazine. That's my favorite magazine, by the way, Cosmopolitan. Um, I like Red Book. I like some other women's magazines, but mainly You Cosmo. love those. Um, with Texture, you get complete issues and back issues for titles like Time, uh, the Atlantic, The New Yorker. This is good journalism. I really do recommend it to, to stay up on stuff. And they do have stuff like People, Cosmo, Entertainment Weekly. Texture delivers the best of both worlds with newsworthy stories and relaxing entertainment anytime, anywhere. You don't have to carry those magazines around. You can do it right from your phone. Magazines where you find quality. You know, they got beautiful photos. This is all in the app. It's great. In-depth interviews and perspectives. You know, take a deep dive into the issues you care about today with Texture. So, Texture's usually $9.99 a month. Great deal. But they're giving our listeners a free trial. So, you got to check it out for yourself. To start your seven-day free trial, go to texture.com slash badchristian. Go to texture.com slash badchristian to start reading the latest issues of your favorite magazines today. Texture.com slash badchristian. Woohoo! All right. All right, we got old John Prop. John, you go by Pastor? Pastor John Proper? I've been called worse, yeah. <laughs> you've been called a, probably a lot of things, and you've been a pastor and a not a pastor, and I, you have something. You've been a lot of things. You've been yeah. a lot of things, not, and, and I'm sure called different things too, but I got a little bit wind of your story from a friend of ours named Dan Koch, and uh, he says, you got to check this guy out. You got to hear his story and what he's been through, and if uh, I don't know if you know anything about this podcast, but this whole experiment for us is like, you know, just processing our, <laughs> as cheesy as it sounds, faith journey. Yeah. You know, we change what we believe. We've changed what we believe in real time on this podcast and everything else like that. And your story is uh, one that, that is kind of in that camp. I always applaud people that are willing to change and challenge their beliefs and try and find out better stuff. And you know a little something about that, don't you? A little bit. Yeah, it's been a lot of ups <laughs> and downs, a lot of ins and outs, but uh, it's good stuff. The well, thing I wanted to start with is you when did, when did you start your, how old were you when you started your preaching career and you were doing tent revivals? <laughs> I was, so yeah, I was a Pentecostal kid preacher. Uh, I was probably 11 when I first started. Where was this at? Uh, this was in, in the foothills of Northern Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Small town, like 600 people. And uh, yeah. What kind of, what, when you say Pentecostal, I grew up in Pentecostal. Ours was the Church of God of Prophecy. We were Church of God. Uh, oh yeah, mm -hmm. you guys were too liberal for us. We had to add the we had to leave. We split from Church of God and added the prophecy part because y'all were just y'all were like you might as well have been Hollywood elite. What were they doing? Wearing <laughs> stuff like jewelry <laughs> and joking. pants. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, My that, mother wore yeah. pants. Oh, uh, well, you got to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I couldn't accept that. We, y'all probably watched movies. <laughs> we did occasionally, yes. We didn't swim in swimming pools, though. <laughs> oh, okay. really? Why All not? Right. I don't know that one. Oh, because it's a temptation, you know, yeah. unless oh, you're in the same right. gender swimming pool. I do know pool. that one, because yeah. if I, my earliest memories of being tempted was lifeguards and shit from underwater. Absolutely. So I, I do know what you're talking about, now that you mention it. <laughs> So how did you get into, I mean, how did you get to being pre- a preacher? Like, a, a, like what, what did that look like at age 11 or whatever? So my dad uh, was a minister, is a minister, uh, and I, he groomed me. And I think that's the best word that I can use. He groomed me from a young age uh, to do this kind of thing. And uh, there was a, a service, I think, that he was scheduled to preach at, and he got sick and uh, asked me if I could cover for him. Uh, but when you're you know, 10, 11 years old, uh, when your dad asks you to do something, it's not really asking, it's telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my first go. And, and it, people liked it? Like, what did, what did you think? Do you think I have a gift and I'm here to spread the gospel at that age? No, I mean, I definitely thought that, that it was important work and that I was doing, you know, the Lord's work. But in terms of whether or not I thought of myself as having a gift, I think I was more just terrified than anything. So you were uh, groomed, Thought you were going to be a pastor. Do you you a mean groomed get- like an abusive, like a bad way there? I'm just curious. But I, I mean, I think so. That. I think it's it's a thing that happens in Pentecostal circles a lot. The child preacher thing has kind of come and gone. Uh, there's the documentary about the, the I can't remember his last name, but Marjo, uh, which came out in the 70s and kind of highlights the story of a child preacher. It's a thing in Pentecostal circles, but I don't think it's ever really healthy. Yeah, it's some. Do you think that's uh, uh, like. Even from your dad's point of view or whatever, is that like a legacy thing? Is that what? Why do you think he wanted? He did it, so it's the same as a dad who owns an air conditioning company. He wanted you to take over for him, something like that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you, so you do that till what, like late teens or something like that? Yes. Was, yeah. Did you like it? Was it fun? Was it ex- like what did that feel like when it was when it was working, or if you were good at it? Or I imagine, I don't know. I. I feel like my I enjoyed being in front of people. Uh, I think I had the same reaction to preaching that a lot of my friends who were like theater kids had to being on stage, mm-hmm. um, particularly when it's you know not scripted and you're just kind of going. Uh, and when you feel like people are into what you're saying, it it's it's drug like. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. What was, was your it? sermon prep like? <laughs> When you were 12. I did a lot of reading. Uh, My parents made me. I had to read so much of the Bible a day, and I memorized a lot of passages, long passages, and I had my own stack of Bible commentaries that I used. My dad invested in my own sort of, you know, library. That's awesome. (laughs) I've got a mix on it. It sounds kind of fun. It sounds a little abusive. (laughs) It sounds a little bit fun. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of like, I I just know the same thing. Like I was always, uh, so when I was young, my my grandfather was a pastor at the church and uh, they thought the same thing about me because I could sing. So they wanted me always up there, Mm -hmm. getting up there to sing. And that was a way that I was contributing to that. And and I, 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 when I was little, I would fake preach like on the on the fire mantle, you know, in front of the fireplace or whatever, yep. front of the mantle or whatever, and I would do that stuff. And then, you know, my dad was a preacher's kid, so he kind of burned out quick. Did you get burned out, or did you just you stayed kind of like on fire for God? No, I totally burned out. Um, really? Yeah, absolutely. I Jaded mean, I, at thirteen. <laughs> yes, I mean it's true. You you see how the sausage is made, 
And growing up in a preacher family, period, I think a lot of preacher's kids kind of go through that that disillusionment and that frustration and that feeling that this is all bullshit. And I think for me, uh, this extra layer of being a kid preacher made it even worse. So when I burned out, I burned out really hard. Yeah. Did you feel weird at school or anything like that? Like, did people? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I, I remember like my parents, I be, I was really embarrassed because my parents would like invite my friends to hear me preach <laughs> because they thought they were helping like, Oh yeah, it's really cool. You're going to get to hear him preach. And it's super embarrassing. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I always felt weird because nobody went to from like high school, elementary, middle and high school. Nobody in my class went to any church like mine. They were all the the main line, you know, they go to Baptist Presbyterian, Baptist. And I was always so jealous because I always felt like they got to hang out and they got to do things and go on mission trips and all that stuff. And we were that that that's one thing about the growing up in that kind of sect, Pentecostal separated thing. It, it is separated. Like it's it it for me, I don't know if you felt this way. It was I was taught to be pretty fearful of people outside of our church. Like I, I it wasn't it was always like they're dangerous or they're bad or they're sinners and don't let them, you know, bring you down. And so I always, I always went into relationships with, well, I don't know this person and they, they might actually be Satan in disguise or something like that. Yeah, and absolutely. That was a real We're thing. Like, really Southern Baptist. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but I was going to ask you. So you get through that. You kind of burn out, and then you decide uh, yeah. in your in your bio or whatever. It said you went to Catholic college. Yes. How how did what how did you get to go? To, I mean, what in your brain made you do that after coming up in a Pentecostal background? The Lord spoke to me in the form of scholarship money. <laughs> uh, I had a vision. No, I uh, the scholarship was really good, and it was far away. It was in Michigan, which I'd never been to, and I picked a place that was far away enough on the map that I felt like my family wouldn't follow me um, or or be around a lot. And there was a lot of. Um, it was a sense of just wanting to put some distance between that life and me. And so that for me made sense. And I honestly, the fact that it was a Catholic college became relevant later, but at the time it was just like, you know, anything is better than here. I had Your yeah. parents couldn't, based on the profile that I'm getting of who they are, they couldn't have liked that. Oh, absolutely not. No. Um, so my, they didn't, I, I didn't get a lot of financial support from my, uh, my parents divorced, uh, which is another no, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I didn't get a lot of financial support from most of my family, but, uh, I remember my dad, when he found out it was a Catholic college said, you know, whatever you do, son, please don't become a Catholic. <laughs> uh, so I converted to Judaism, which I feel like, you know, we're still on the table. You that is hilarious though. You went from Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah you, Absolutely. I mean that just I mean in a very short amount of time you said you you started Pentecostal you were a preacher then you went to a Catholic school you never did you ever convert to Catholicism No 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 I thought it was very interesting but it was still too Christian I think for me at the time Yeah So tell us about getting into Judaism I mean how does that happen that's yeah. a that's a big change right Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a synagogue fairly close to the school. Uh, and I went during the high holidays, it was, uh, the Jewish new year. And I was, I went with a group of friends just for kicks and giggles. We were curious about what the experience would be like. And, and, um, we were all kind of nerdy people who were interested in religion. So we all went together and I fell in love. I mean, I absolutely fell in love the first night and, and wanted to go back. What was the difference from the, the, what you had known? 
Um, the sermon that night was about uh, protecting the environment. Um, and the next night they talked about, or the next day, because it's a two-day um, celebration, the next day was about um, healthcare. And so it really resonated with me, the, the idea that faith would be informed by things going on in the world and mm-hmm. that we actually want to get our hands dirty. Um, but I think I too, I just resonated with the feeling of being an outsider. I didn't feel like I fit in the world that I came from. And I think yeah. to a certain extent, you know, it clicked with me, the idea of being Jewish, being out of place, um, was something that was real for me. But how did you reconcile like that? They don't think Jesus was, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the son of God. How, how do you, how do you go? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can definitely see the community aspect of it. And it sounds, one of the things that was always frustrating with me, especially in the Pentecostal world, and what, I mean, they told my family told me the same thing. They, I always heard Catholics weren't even Christians and they were real bad and they were bound for hell and all this stuff. But the, one of the problems within the Pentecostal world is it not that the people aren't smart, but they wanted to keep it a little dumbed down or they lived with not much education or real education about the Bible and theology and stuff. That was, that was kind of cast aside. It was more that uh, emotional Pentecostal running down the aisles, speaking in tongues, all the, you know, inflammatory big things and all this stuff. But uh, yeah, how did you, I mean, the whole Jesus thing would have been tough if, if you're a Jesus believer, it seems. Yeah. Like I, I, I sort of snuck up next to it, I guess is the best way to put it. Like I, I thought, well, maybe I won't go full Jew. I'll do like Jews for Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like well, I you can still kind of believe then, in the divinity of Jesus at the moment that you went to that first sermon though. Is yes. The question. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think I had questions, but I was certainly, um, I think if you had asked me that night, I would have said, oh no, absolutely. I'm still at mm-hmm. least nominally Christian. There's something Christian about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it took me a few months to kind of, you know, sneak up next to it and then kind of realize that I, I was really interested in being Jewish. And at that point I'd been meeting with the rabbi at the synagogue for, uh, at least once a week. Um, and he didn't know what to do with me. I mean, it was such an oddity. I just, this, you know, this Pentecostal kid who shows up, he doesn't know anything about Pentecostals. I just kind of show up and I say, tell me everything. I just want to know everything. And, uh, and I think I probably drove him crazy because after about 10 months, he said, okay, are you going to convert or not? <laughs> um, which is not the norm. Uh, Jewish tradition, usually they turn you away a couple of times to kind of test your sincerity. Um, and we kind of skipped over that. And, and uh, I think he knew I was ready or at least uh, willing. You were easy close. And so you moved into disbelieving in Jesus's divinity at yeah. the time? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember um, I remember realizing that I was going to have to have that conversation with my parents. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and with my dad, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to go well, but I also knew that that bridge had kind of been burned. With my mother, I knew she would be hurt and kind of take it personally. And she cried. I mean, it was hard. Yeah. It was, you know, I felt like I had wronged her more so than, than wronging Jesus. Um, it was a betrayal as far as she was concerned. And I, I mean, I understand, I, you know, where she's coming from. That's hard. It's very hard. I mean, I, I, the, the, the thing too there is they are more worried about your eternal damnation at that point, right? That's, that's what they were worried about. Like you're going to hell now because you don't believe in Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. That's the line. And what yeah. do, I mean, just, just to clarify, even for, just for me, um, Jews don't believe in his divinity. So they, they just believe that, they, they believe in a Christ, but that the Christ has not come yet. I mean, what, what is the big difference in, in Jews and Christianity besides just the Jesus? Yeah, so that's a good question. So Jews anticipate a coming Messiah. He's a political leader. He's not divine. Uh, he will come. He will do uh, 
ordinary things uh, and some extraordinary things, but all because God lets him. Uh, there's really no son of God divinity element to Jewish uh, messianic teaching at all. Um, so Jesus simply just doesn't fit the description. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as if they don't believe Jesus. Um, they don't believe, it's not that they don't believe Jesus uh, is bad. It's not that they think Jesus is a bad guy or that he's a, you know, a crappy prophet or any of those things. They simply just don't believe he fits the definition of, of a, a Jewish Messiah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so you, and also then you, uh, met your wife at this church, right? At the synagogue, yeah. Yeah, at the synagogue. Yes. Yeah, at the synagogue, I'm sorry. And that probably even, at this time, when you told your family, had you met her, and they probably really disliked her then, right? Did they think she yeah. was evil and the, the yes. reason you're bad? Yeah, and it's funny too, because my wife, at the time when we were dating, my wife said, do not convert for me. If you convert for me, the relationship is over because I don't want to be responsible for someone making a choice that big. And she was fine with uh, with us having separate faiths. And, and... So it wasn't about her, but I don't think my family saw it that way at all. Um, all they right. knew was new faith, new girlfriend, yeah. even not that new. I mean, we'd been together for a few months at that point, but I think it was just kind of, you know, too much change. Did Once you started going to the synagogue, did you feel that old tug of wanting to be a preacher? Or uh, what? what is a Jewish, uh, it's not a preacher, what are they called? Uh, Rabbis. A rabbi, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you feel the call to maybe become a rabbi? Uh, no, actually, I I was just voraciously reading and burning through everything I possibly could, and and my wife made a joke. Um, at that point, I think we were engaged, not married, and she said, you know, you should really think about being a rabbi, and I kind of blew it off. And I think at first it was a joke, and then it was kind of, but no, really, like you have a, a unique set of skills and uh, a, a sort of a weird story, and so maybe you should take this seriously. And so I started uh, looking at it again, really considering going into ministry again. <laughs> the Jewish ministry. I don't, yeah, exactly. Well, what was the, I, I meant to ask you this before, but what, what was the big piece of evidence or what you read that made you think it was right as opposed to Christianity? Was there a, a moment there? Uh, I think I had a really hard time reading through so much of the stuff written after the Holocaust uh, and sort of squaring it away with our, I mean, it's the problem of evil, right? It's this classic, Mm -hmm. if there's a loving God, how can all these bad things happen? And there's so much great Jewish writing out there about how to make sense of that. And I didn't see the same level of depth uh, at the time in, in Christian circles. And so I was really drawn to that. I think that seemed truer to me. Did, Did you but, miss anything from Christianity while you were doing this? Like, was there anything you were like, oh, these these Jews are cool, but... Yes, yeah. I loved communion, and I missed communion. Um, I love the the act of taking communion. And I, I, you know, Christmas is kind of the cliche, right? Christmas and Hanukkah, yeah. it's, you know, the December dilemma. But it's so true. I mean, Christmas is just so much bigger and so much more bombastic, and the music is better, and the food is awesome. And, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. <laughs> That's why I love Halloween. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious though when um, when you're when you <sighs> you're able to completely shift your viewpoint of of Yahweh, or was it the same? Did it feel consistent in that regard, or did it's like, yes. oh no, I'm in this whole other thing? But you were these weren't just cultural. You're not like, oh, I'm converted culture. Like the deep and core beliefs, you were able to actually swap them and hold them yes yeah and and yeah, in that view to you it was yahweh consistent i'm just saying yahweh but was he the same is that was that consistent yeah. for you it was like yeah same guy different details 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, that is the Orthodox Jewish position mm-hmm. is that they're essentially the same God, but that we've gotten some of the details sort of screwed up along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, it was very easy to kind of, I, I didn't see anyone on the other side of that line as being a heretic. Um, in fact, in a, in a lot of ways, Judaism is much more inclusive of other religions. And so for me, that was also appealing. It's like, okay, cool. So we can agree on some of the basics and disagree on the details. And that's cool. That's fine. Okay. Did you and ever so have you, a fear that you, you would go to hell? <laughs> like, was there ever a moment where you're like, I'm, uh oh, I'm starting to believe this. And now, because is, is that the big difference? What, what is what do Jews believe about eternal damnation? What is is there a way to get there or, or, or something you believe like Jesus in Christianity? Right. There's an old saying: ask two Jews a question, get three responses, because we never agree on anything, right? Um, but having said that, um, most Jews, I would say, the consensus don't have a specific belief in an afterlife, and certainly don't believe in like eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. So. From that perspective, that was that's very reassuring. That's a very nice idea. I think a lot of Christians struggle with the idea of hell, so that that's pretty easy. Um, I will say, uh, it surprised me after the conversion, after I converted, to realize that I was a little paranoid about it. Like it would still come up. I mean, when you're yeah. raised in that bubble, it's hard to not think mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, totally. I mean, I you know, I remember having a dream with like my mother saying, you know, how could you do this, and 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 just that feeling of like I've done something wrong. Um, which is a really hard thing to kind of come to grips with. I felt the same way as I my faith evolved. I, I still believe in Jesus, obviously, but I can remember thinking uh, just so legalistically because God was a vengeful, wrathful God, and yep. my sin was always evident and uh, a stench in his nostrils. You know yes, what I mean? Like, like my right. life was a stench in his nostrils. Your righteousness so, is filthy rag. Exactly, 100%. And so it was very hard because the same thing is once I, I started uh, – Moving out of that, my uh, my parents divorced too. P- PK kid divorced, and then I was like, wait, wait a minute! All the stuff I've been told, and they still divorced. They they don't seem too worried about the hell part. They just want to get <laughs> the hell away from each other. Yes, and, you know. Yep. And and I was like, wait, that. But they told me this stuff, and so what is it? And the people at school uh, that didn't go to my church sure were a lot kinder and nicer in, in some ways. They weren't always talking about eternal damnation or fear and worry. So I I struggle with that same thoughts of wait a minute. Oh, I've been tricked. <laughs> you know, that I had a little bit of that paranoia. Wait a minute. Oh, this is the thing they warned me about, right? If you go into the world and but you become the world, that's it. And Satan has a grip on you. And it took a long time. I, I think I'm still processing some of it, but that you're right. Like I, I had some dreams as well. I had some intense moments where I was like, oh no, I'm I lost it. And God, uh, God is definitely going to send me to hell now. I, I've said a bad word, or I drank a beer, or you know, I experimented with these things where it was seemingly everybody else is having so much fun and enjoyment. When I try it, there was all this guilt there. And and it's it's interesting that yours though was still based in you were trying to do good and pursue God. Like you were yep. you were tra- you know transitioning into uh Judaism was still like for you like pursuing God, right? Like I mean and you still had that that tough stuff. Yeah, man, I remember the very first time I went to the movies, um, like writing a kind of Dear John letter to my parents afterward, just a sort of, you know, this is, I was told not to do this. I did it. I still feel guilty, but I think it was the right thing. Like going to the movies, man, I still remember what I saw. Like it was, was I I saw Star Wars. It was the Revenge of the Sith, which I probably should have repented of for other reasons, just because the movie's not that good. But like, So Same what, way with me. what happens next in this story? This is funny so far. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Enjoying it. It's not over it's yet. It's not over. 
So I got accepted to rabbinical school, and my wife and I moved across the country to <laughs> um, to Philadelphia to study to be a rabbi. Is the um, is the, is the kid preaching on the resume for getting is that on is that on your application to rabbi it school? was i actually i had one of the nuns at the at the catholic school too was one of my references which was kind of great oh my gosh uh, that's hilarious yeah 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 so so i went to rabbinical school and i was um working as a student rabbi i was leading services uh i was doing um counseling work and that sort of thing teaching um but I had this kind of funny moment when I realized that I wasn't totally, a lot of the stuff that I had grown up with was baggage that I was losing, right? And that's a good thing yeah. because it's it's all this extra stuff that I didn't need and, and wasn't very healthy, all this guilt. But at the same time, there were aspects of my Christianity that I hadn't caught, I hadn't gotten rid of and I f- began to realize I didn't want to. And so that became the next step is sort of, okay, so I've I've cleared out a lot of the junk, maybe too much stuff. And now I've got this other stuff here that I kind of don't want to let go of, but I'm in this faith community that similarly says, you know, well, we don't really talk about those things here. We're not really interested in bringing in connections to Christianity and, oh, you keep bringing up the gospels. And, you know, I I get that you're not being a literalist, but maybe we should stop talking about that because we're in a Torah class, you know, that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sorry, on the edge I was looking up. I had no, to, I'm just, I, it's, sorry, I wanted. To, <laughs> I had to look it up because you said you remembered your first movie that you saw. I remember mine too. 1983. It was Yellowbeard. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and, so that, that's funny that you had that because a, a lot of people don't understand that that you didn't get to go see. Me. I'm sorry, I know I'm off topic here, but I just had when you said that you remembered the movie, I was like, I do too. I, th- I said I think it's called Yellowbeard, and I just looked it up. But it's funny because we snuck across. We we had we snuck across Greenville. From Greer, South Carolina to, to Greenville, 40, we drove like to the farthest we could get, like 20, 30 minutes away from our house, 40 minutes. And uh, we saw Yellowbeard, and it was rated PG or PG-13, and <laughs> it did have raw boobs in it. And I was like, oh, and you know, then I got the fingers. But my parents, we all thought, oh no, we went and saw a movie, and it was bad. And it is evil. <laughs> it is terrible. I don't remember any boobs in Star Wars. Yeah, no. I don't either. So you, luck, you lucked out. I got to see them when I was seven years old, and I was like, what is this? And it was like a musical type movie so it wasn't like a sex scene it was like a i don't know what they were doing but they might i i don't know i just remember seeing it i was like uh-oh i think <laughs> even at seven years old i was like this this may, might There's mean we don't evil. ever get to come see movies again okay anyway, i'm sorry to interrupt no you're fine man <laughs> so what you faltered there in rabbi school what happens next yeah so so then i started i i started asking a lot of questions and i started exploring um what what my life would look like if I brought in aspects of Judaism that I really appreciated and valued, um, but wasn't necessarily a part of the Jewish institutions or certainly not a teacher or a rabbi. And, um, and it's funny because my wife this whole time has been very supportive. My wife is very open-minded and my wife is just kind of, you know, okay, cool. Sounds like whatever space you need to figure this out, you take that time. And so um, ultimately uh, she was in France, I think she was on a business trip and we Skyped and I said, I think I want to leave rabbinical school. And at that point it was just, I don't want to be in rabbinical school. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what faith looks like, but I just need some space. And so we left rabbinical school and uh, moved down to Florida where she is from and lived for about three years while I kind of sorted my head out. I taught English 
uh, and did some other things, worked as a marketing guy, uh, did a couple of other jobs um, just to kind of make ends meet, all the while trying to figure out sort of where I fit. Um, and that's when I started going back to church, um, albeit a very different kind of church than what I grew up with. Okay, so now you're looking back the way of Christianity. Yes. Or so. So how did the did the Judaism thing erode and or feel the same way as leaving the Pentecostal thing? Like, did no. you did you, you? It wasn't that you found holes and errors and problems or anything like that, like you did no. with the Pentecostal, where there's a lot of the obvious mistakes and hypocrisy there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no there's offense, there's far less dogma in most Jewish circles. Right. I mean, it's just it's just not as pushy, and so mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to kind of go with the flow. So for me, this was really about finding out what resonated most closely with me, and I didn't feel as much guilt or fear um, or a sense of like I was betraying anyone or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But did did you start to think that you overdid it when you left Christianity, or do you think, oh, there's things I'm missing here or something? Yes, like, yeah. That was a big piece of it. I mean, just this feeling of like, all right, so maybe I threw the baby out with the bathwater, mm-hmm. and maybe ultimately that's the right decision, but I don't know that yet. And I think I got, I put the cart before the horse and I had to take a step back and, um, and sort of really look at what I actually believed and what I wanted to do with myself. Um, and, and that was a big, I honestly, that was in some ways a lot scarier than converting to something because it's a little more honest. Um, it's a little more private. Uh, you have to be honest with yourself. Um, and that's, that's never easy. And you said you you ended up in a different kind of church. Where did where did you land? What what was the way back to? Was it? I mean, you still had faith. You, you would say after yes. you left rabbinical school, you still had faith, but you did. Did you not go to church at all? And then eventually, one won you over, or what was it? What was the path back? Was hold on yeah. a second. What territory Sorry. are we in now? Like deconversion, reconversions, getting saved again? Like what? What are we talking about? <laughs> sort of. I mean, kind of. I mean, it's it's it was a d it was a deconstruction and a reconstruction. Uh-huh. It just took me longer than I think it takes other people sometimes, mm-hmm. um, or at least was a bit more of a, a wandering path. Did you um, de- do you do you officially declare to your rabbi I'm out? Like mm-hmm. do you do that before you're fully let Jesus back into your heart? I don't know. Like I'm trying to get the technicalities there. So Judaism is is because it's primarily ethnic. Once you convert, you're considered Jewish. I mean, you mm-hmm. you're never not Jewish. Uh, and so that kind of brings us. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but that kind of brings us to where we are now. My wife and I are members at her synagogue and members at the churches where I serve. And at that synagogue wow. where we've been members for a couple of years. I get involved. I do things. We do volunteering. We've taught things together. They they're very welcoming because once you're Jewish, you're always Jewish. That's so cool. Because <laughs> think about how how much Pentecostals can't do that. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like right? like the, the guy in your Pentecostal church, he's not officially Christian anymore, and he's a member of the synagogue over here. But he's, you know, just serving and making the meals and doing the right. thing. That, he's in that in both congregations at the same time. That's that's really interesting that Judaism allows. I mean, I, I just I can't help but say I really like the sound of that. It just Agreed. sounds right. Yeah. Like you're yeah, one of us. It's okay, even if you would believe different, they're still accepting of you. Yes. That's, yeah. Absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah, it's very inclusive. And so, yeah, I mean, so when I started going back to church. 
um, we were still going to synagogue on, on Friday nights or Saturday mornings as a couple. And then I would go to church on Sundays, sometimes with my wife, sometimes by myself. Um, but I was teaching English at a private school and the private school was Episcopal and the kids had to go to, to worship a couple times during the school week. And so I would take them and I liked it. And so I started going on my own on the weekends. Um, and while I didn't ultimately settle there, it was it was nice enough that it made me start thinking about, you know, looking for something, a community of my own, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it had been, you know, three years or so from from uh, rabbinical school. Mm-hmm. And and you looked at it as just, uh, well, you were going, <laughs> started as a preacher, tr- tried to become a rabbi, and were you at this point just thinking, I just want to get back into community or, or among other believers, or did you start getting an itch to? to become a pastor or something again? No, I definitely was not thinking about clergy work at all. Um, I was, I, and I wasn't even really thinking about being a believer. It was more, I was looking for some kind of community and I wasn't ready to decide what that was yet. Yeah. And so it, 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 it started very small. I was afraid that I would make a mistake. I was afraid that I would get in over my head or that I would think it was the right fit and would be wrong again. Yeah. And so it was a very gradual kind of, um, you know, again, kind of sneaking up to it and and ultimately deciding that I was comfortable in church, but it took a while and it took a lot of different churches, a lot of hopping around. Yeah. And your wife continued to be Jewish, right? She didn't convert or anything yeah, like that. No, so not at all. That, that, was, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. How do y'all navigate that? It seems like y'all hopefully you have a good marriage. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much about your marriage, but I well, mean, she's not here. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that could be, uh, I mean, obviously change, you know, changing your beliefs and, stru- and belief structures and what you've grown up and all that stuff could be detrimental. I mean, a lot of people, you know, get divorced just because based on religion and somebody changes their belief and doesn't believe in God anymore or something like that. What, how do y'all navigate that? Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, we, 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 Ideologically, I would say we're very similar. We have a lot of the same values, even if we don't agree on the Jesus thing, right? Having said that, um, in terms of observing holidays, um, it can be a little tricky. A couple years ago, for instance, uh, when I had first gotten back into church work, um, Hanukkah started on Christmas Eve, and I was doing Christmas Eve services at the one of the congregations that I'm serving now, and we had to do Hanukkah in my office, Hanukkah dinner in my office in between Christmas Eve services. Uh, so we lit a menorah and we played <laughs> cradle and did all of that in the church in my office. <laughs> yeah. Now at this point, are people just like starting to like say, well, look, man, you got, you got some issues here. You're not going to stay here either. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, definitely. I think like it was definitely like, where tourist. is he going to go next? Yeah, right. It's like, how long are you going to stay at this one? They got to start asking at some point. Yeah, uh, I, I think the thing that 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 made it easier to have those conversations with people is that I'm, I was able to express what I was feeling without saying decisively. I sort of made the mistake of saying I'm this now, right? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to make that mistake again. Uh, and so I think that made it a little easier to have those conversations initially with people that I was starting to explore again. Um, and I think for some people it made sense. I think, you know, I had in some ways converting to Judaism was like a love affair it, uh, rather than a marriage. It was very hot and heavy and it was awesome. And then I kind of realized it wasn't long-term sustainable for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that 
being able to articulate that and express that after a couple of years of soul searching made it a little bit easier for people to appreciate that. Yeah, that's a, it's pretty interesting stuff here because it falls into the category that I'm always interested in, and that's people that are willing to change. Now, people have all kind of weird reasons they change too, and some people are running from this thing or the other thing. But no, but no matter what, you seem to have approached it with a, a, a sincerity for seeking truth and um, taking intellectually seriously what are what what does it mean? And just that quality in itself is just, just a, is a rare one. So I think it's yeah. really interesting, and probably has a lot to say about people with interfaith marriages itself. Like, I'm sure there's some good lessons in there. It sounds like your wife, the Jewish thing, is just like the most welcomingest way yes. that, that can happen. Of course, but nonetheless, yeah. it's still interfaith marriage is is, is something. Did, I mean, did something. her family or anything worry about you? Was that was that tough on? Like when you came back, was your family all on board and her family worried or concerned at all? No, not at all. Um, they were so her family is also interfaith. Okay. Uh, her dad is Catholic. Her mother is Jewish, um, and uh, and neither person in that couple is particularly religious. Um, they're interfaith, but it's it's a cultural thing for them more than theological. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they were particularly concerned either way. I got a little worried that my parents, particularly my mother, who took it very personally, would get the wrong idea. And that was something I did worry about. Does she think I'm sort of a born-again evangelical, you know, on fire again, kind of, you know, yeah. one step away from being Pentecostal again? And I, I wasn't quite sure, and I'm still not quite sure, because I think she gets her hopes up, right? Mm-hmm. Her son's a minister again, right? Yay, it's a great thing. But my life looks very different now than what I imagine she wanted it to be. And so it's trying to find ways to draw those lines and kind of say, I'm still not Pentecostal anymore. I I do look at things a bit differently. There are different kinds of Christians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how do you see that now? Like, you you don't, let's see. It seems like if you're in a new, uh, this, okay, let me get the details right. You're a minister, Episcopal minister now? Right. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, so I. I. I taught in an Episcopal school. I work in the UCC, the United Church of Christ. Okay. Which yeah, is, and I serve is, two congregations in the UCC. Okay. As a minister, like preaching. Yes. Okay. And I, I'm not that familiar with UCC. Is my problem? Can you catch me up on exactly what that is? UCC is, uh, is how is it different? Is it similar to some of uh, Episcopal? It's it's not as high churchy. It's uh-huh. not as liturgical. It's a little more casual. Um, it's very sort of white bread, waspy Protestant. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, yeah, formal yeah. Protestant. Yeah, okay, got it. So, um, is it? It's got to be hard for you at this point to to act like. And I don't. I'm sure you don't. But I would imagine with any denomination or thing, most of the people there, especially the ones in leadership, feel like this is the right thing. Yep. And you, I, I, I can't imagine that you hold very strongly to the fact that the UCC is the right way. No. Right? No, absolutely But not. yet you're yes. in leader. Like that's, you know, like in every leadership of everything, you got to assume most of the people are pretty much think this is it. And yeah. you don't. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, a, it's definitely, it gives me a different perspective because I'm, I'm, I'm unconventionally open about the fact that I'm comfortable with spiritual journeys, um, mine and other people's. Um, What I find, though, particularly, I serve two churches. One is urban and one is a country church. Um, With the urban church in particular, we have a lot of folks who come in the door who are looking for community but are very skeptical about religion. Mm -hmm. And I think having conversations one-on-one with people where I'm able to share even just a piece of my own 
stumbling, meandering, wandering journey makes it a little bit easier for people to feel like they're in good company as they explore, as opposed to having to decide everything up front and then become a member and then be locked into that forever. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. have pieces of uh, Judaism that you still incorporate or any anything that you took from there that you still adhere to? Yes, all the time. Uh, so occasionally I will just wholesale borrow prayers and things that I've led in Jewish circles uh, for my Christian congregations. Um, Having said that, I try to avoid too much appropriating things that don't belong to me anymore. I don't want to mm -hmm. feel like, you know, I, I sort of, I have ownership over it all because I don't. So I want to be careful. Um, but my wife and I still observe Shabbat and still observe all the holidays and do Yom Kippur together and that kind of thing. And so it's very much a part of our, our weeks. It's very much a part of our daily lives. That is what? quite interesting. Um, do, do you feel like... Uh, <laughs> Do you feel pretty stable in, in where you're at right now? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think being, I mean, it's in some ways, and I don't want to diminish the actual act of coming out, but in some ways it's like coming out mm -hmm. because once it's out there, once you've made a public choice to declare yourself something and then you've reneged on that, and then you've kind of publicly admitted, I don't really know, and I'm kind of walking, it's actually a lot easier. It takes the pressure off. Mm -hmm. um, and when the pressure's not on, uh, I at least don't feel the need to make one decision once and for all. Uh -huh. And as a result, I feel like things have never been more stable, working in congregational life and walking alongside people who often feel the same way but don't know how to express it is is awesome. What's your current point of view or best guess on the divinity of Jesus and the afterlife? I uh, I hold to the Apostles' Creeds and the Nicene Creed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There you I, go. Good. That's yep. a good answer on that. Solid answer. In fact, yep. this is uh, interesting. So the work you do now, what is there? Is there stuff or resources or things or, you know, what kind of stuff uh, do you do or have anybody more interested in, in your story? I know we've had to cover it pretty briefly here for time, but what uh, is there other resources for this or things that you do for people or write about or blog or anything like that? Yes. Other so than all the communities stuff. you serve directly. Yeah, sure. So all of my stuff is on uh, jproper, P-R-O-P-P-E-R.com. Uh, that links to all of the writing I do, which is is pretty frequent. Um, devotionals that I write, I write for something called the Breviary, which uh, is something that I curate. It's prayers, devotionals, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, often drawing from different traditions, but primarily Christian. Uh, and it also links to the churches I serve as well. So if there's anything about um, either being in an interfaith marriage or my Christian work specifically or my Jewish past, any of those things um, that people want to explore, they can reach out to, to me directly there. That's great. Awesome. Well, we'd uh, love to have you back. I'm laying uh, 10 to 1 odds that you're back in two years when you are a Hindu guru at an ashram. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> and down And once that. you complete that, we'll, we'll have you back and we'll do the rest of your faith journey. Yeah. <laughs> complete the trifecta. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, John. We appreciate you being on today, man. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great one. Yeah, you too. All right. Okay. I bet old Joey would have loved to ask him some questions, and because Joey, that's like Joey's oh, dream yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, well, he'll enjoy listening to that episode, and I'm sure he would have helped uh, on there in a way. But I really enjoyed that interview because I knew what the, the story was, and trying to get it to sit, fit in about 45 minutes was—I I yeah. thought that was kind of fun to have. Fun. We don't do a ton of narrative on the podcast, and maybe oh, we yeah, should right. do a little bit more often. 
and I don't know why that is, but that, I just thought that one was really neat to just try to get in and go through it and pause a couple times. I, I, I thought that story. was a very sweet interview. Enjoy I try it. to interject, but yeah, but you, you missed my point. That's, he's lived what Joey is trying to do. Joey <laughs> oh, constantly you changes, and, and yeah. you know he, he changed about his idea of hell. He's changed oh, yeah. about legalism, all this stuff. Like that, this guy John is a hero mm-hmm. for, for Joey. For somebody like Joey, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't. Like, oh, we'll man, talk about it. We, we'll, we'll let's talk about it with Joey on the next episode when he's back and has heard it. But no, no, yeah. I was I was just picturing if he was on. This podcast, I was thinking, if Joey's here too, a whole nother person, we're going to get stuck on hell for like the 40 oh, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, you're right. But that was good. Yeah, that's that's totally... It's it's really funny to me that you have no clue what it's like to grow up as a Pentecostal kid. And I, I don't have, have a clue. I, I grew it, up around it, but no, not with that. No. I, I mean, it's just like Devin and I and Emery, yeah. both of us, both of, his dad was a, a pastor, my papa was a pastor, and I just, that, it's like a whole... I mean, people probably have called it a cult. It's not a... It, it, it's, I don't think of it as a cult. I don't think it was detrimental in a way like trying to hurt you or get only get your money or sex or anything like that. But it, it was a, a group think, thing that, like I said, everybody is dangerous and scary. And so when you get out into the world, it is easier probably to go, wait a minute, these Jews sure are nice and yeah. care about the world. And man, their faith is in action and all this stuff. All, 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 everything I ever heard was just the world's bad. Yeah. This going to hell, Toby. Well, stay away from it. it I, I think it's it's weird. Like if you look at it from the zoomed out point of view, I have now, which is like worldly according to them or whatever. Yeah, the world's not as bad as they said it was, and and the the Pentecostal and that, especially in the rural South. Now I grew up with it around it, but I always grew up thinking it was crazy. To be honest, like yeah. that you, that's <laughs> that church that you went to is you know less than. Two miles from my house, probably one point two, not right. even that's probably point eight to that church that you went to, and I always thought it was very crazy the way I, you know. So I, I'm kind of people confuse that. I think sometimes they think, oh, the bad Christian guys all grew up super evangelical. I didn't. I grew up around it, and you and, and Joey did. So I don't. Ha- it's interesting to me because when I hear you and Joey processing the things that you feel guilty about, I don't feel guilty. I don't. That right. might be part of my makeup anyway i don't feel a lot of guilt about many things once i yeah. decide something i'm i have it pretty rationalized in my head but i don't like i see you guys process guilt like yeah i know that's i don't believe that anymore but i still act this way because of it or i feel like i've done something wrong to somebody that 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 isn't there right um, it's kind of interesting to see but i think the way i look at that church the pentecostal thing is i don't think of it as that bad or a cult or anything like that i don't think of that i do think it's a coping mechanism or something i feel like it's outdated and that sounds you know condescending but it's it it seems like it's a coping mechanism draw near make up rules warn about the evils of the outside stay tight make it small if it's like a survival mechanism or something is what the way i feel about like the intention is to get those people and even if some of the rules are superstitious that doesn't matter it's binding it's bonding this is our group as small as 60 people and we're going to be tight because we got to survive that's what that's what it that doesn't seem so so bad to me right but they use some spiritual stuff and then you can see the damage it does long term like if you really struggle with guilt about stuff like what movies you watch or if you you know drank a beer or smoke weed or something like if you can't ever even when you've changed your mind and you still feel the remnants of that I think that's sad like you know that that's that's right. I, I hate to call that abusive or wrong really but you know that's you have that now right because I of it I, 
I had an idea for a podcast episode that I thought would be really funny. I thought, what if uh, I fly, I'll fly to Seattle or whatever when, when I'm there, and you and I will legally get as high as we can and do the podcast. We can try that. <laughs> no, I, I know. So I, I thought it would be funny, I, I but be so I promise you my, my immediate thing that popped in my head was, oh, yeah, but that's bad, and people will hear it, and I... That's probably not the right thing to do. And I, I, oh, yeah, I went yeah. there immediately. Like, oh, no, that yeah, negativity that and like the sin aspect, even though I would be doing something legal, just as legal as drinking four beers on the podcast or yeah. what, you know what I mean? Like it would be just the same. It's not really any different, but I, I felt a little bit like, yeah, that'd be, I don't know. Joey might put him in a bad position or something. I just well, thought, he wouldn't participate, I imagine. No, 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 he wouldn't. But I thought it would be hilarious if we were really high and what the podcast would sound like. But, uh, I'm down to try it if you want to. It'll probably be horrible but, anyway. Yeah, just, I think it, it would be. T- I think it's like just shame the morels. My yeah, if, yeah. If I when I'm high, I, I I don't. I guess I don't know. I mean, I've never tried it. I've never tried it, but I know the way that I normally feel if I'm high, and it doesn't. I'm not. I don't feel very podcasty. I put yeah, it not that talky. Way. But maybe who knows? I mean, I'd be down yeah. to give it an experiment if you want to. <laughs> All right. Well, the way we'll get that weed is our BC club. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we buy marijuana. I'm telling you, these clubbers are awesome. They Woo! support this podcast financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, chemically. Uh, I mean, they're just unbelievable people. And if you're not a part of it, you're missing out on meeting unbelievable people. And that is true. I, I love the dialogue, the questions that uh, pop up on the BC Facebook page. And they uh, these folks, I get to meet them in person at shows and at the BC cons we're doing. Uh, so I really do appreciate the BC Club. It is how this podcast keeps being made and actually keeps getting better. There's a lot more That's on great. the horizon that we are doing and creating, and uh, it's all a part of you listeners. So if you haven't joined the BC Club and you like what you hear, go there. What's the website? The uh, did they go bcclub.com. Yes. And you'll find out more and, about it there. But if you've been meaning to do, list, it, do it, Can I listen, list a few of them? I think we missed them on the last episode. So I'm going to list some of these awesome people. Josh Sturgeon, Cody Miller, Michael Met- Matusak, uh, Nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nutsack. <laughs> Paging Michael Nutsack. Uh, Matusak. Matusak. Alexander uh, Johansson, Nate McMahon. Jeff Ricks, Carrie Timmons, Morgan Martinez, Daniel Svabo, and Matt Love. Matt I know Love. we're getting M-A-T-L-V. close. M-A-T-L-V. That's good. Thank you guys for joining. I know we're getting close yes. to really caught up because I don't recognize any of those names from the club. I know. And I know there's been some new people introducing themselves and stuff there. So that really is good. Toby, do you uh, do you support any other podcasts? Is there other people that you, you know? Take yeah, the focus I, off us I like. Second, uh, well, I support. I support a few different things, but one of the big ones that I support now is it's not necessarily a podcast, but it's blogs and authoring uh, authors. Uh, Bart Ehrman, I like him. Duke professor uh, talks about theology and all kinds of stuff, and I just, I just like the way he thinks. He definitely doesn't believe in God, but it kind of pushes me some. And then uh, you and you give him money you, monthly. You're on a subscription yeah, with his yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and um, you. Same as I've been thinking about supporting Sam Harris too. Don't you do? Do you do Sam Harris? Or I've been meaning. He's any? another one that I probably will do. I, I'm not. Yeah. I, I keep meaning to actually because they Two give. Atheists. Yeah, he give. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't. I, I'm good with that. I, I. Yeah. I just feel like if I just think it's the right thing to do, kind of basically. Right. Like I, I get a lot out of what I learned from him. Agree, disagree. Use it the way I use it. And I'm so happy to have these types of re- the amount of learning or just stimulation that I can yeah. get that easily. I want it to continue. I want it to exist. And of course, I like the behind the scenes things you get. But that's really not the point. It's like I'm part of it. 
I give some. I'm, of course, I get a lot out of it, and it's just right. it's this weird feeling of just working together and stuff happening. And I just, of course, I love anything that is direct. Cut out the gatekeeper, the middleman, anything like you know. That's you play the game that way. We can keep these, you know, the big gatekeeper news organizations, people that screw up all kind of art and media. You, if you could keep, if we could support each other, you can keep those people out of the way. It's good stuff. Hell yeah. So anyway, hell yeah. That's my thoughts on that. But yeah, enjoyed the show today. Thanks for reading the yep. names. Sorry, I was. I thought, man, I should come up with sins like Toby does when you say the names. And I was. Could I just, you come up with one right now? Uh, Jeff Ricks, do you know his sin? He sells uh, uh, butt plugs on the black market. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs>